Today on Feeding My Faith, when no one understands, Jesus does. I'm here to praise your name, Lord. That's what I'm talking about. I'm here to lift the name of Jesus high. All right, welcome to Feeding My Faith. I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. And today's episode is inspired by a song. And what's really sad is I cannot find the song on the internet. It's really weird. It's a song I sang in a, in a choir. And the chorus was, when no one understands, Jesus does. And when I can't be the man I wish I was, you know, when no one understands, Jesus does. And I'm sure there are days when your whole world goes upside down, things don't go as planned. Maybe you got a bad report from a doctor. Maybe you make a horrible choice and you didn't see the consequences coming. Whatever it is, it seems life gets too difficult. Maybe you have you know, someone to talk to in situations like that, and maybe you don't. Maybe you feel completely alone. You know, and maybe you think that the world has no clue what it's like to be you. And I'm here to tell you that Jesus does. As much, because there are times when you're like, man, don't tell me about the whole Jesus thing because Jesus was God and, and life was easy for Jesus. He could do anything. He turned water into wine. Come on. This guy, no. And I'm here to tell you, Jesus, and that's one of the hardest things to understand about Jesus was the fact that how can you be human and how can you be God? And that may be another lesson later, but today I want to point out that Jesus knows what it's like to be you. Jesus knows what it's like to have a bad day. So to just point out some of these, and I might read turn to this later and do maybe a part two, but we know in John 11, verse 35, that Jesus wept. In Mark 4, we know that Jesus slept. We know in John uh, 4, 6 through 7, that he was hungry and he was thirsty. We know the very famous story of the fact of uh, Jesus overturning the tables in the temple that's in Mark 11:15. So we know that Jesus got angry. Like Jesus like lost his cool. But there are other parts of Jesus that we always think of him as this loving, child caressing, sheep carrying, love 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 love. No, Jesus was human. And he was even frustrated. Check this out. In this is what he said to his co-workers, right? He, he in Matthew 17, it says that a, a, uh, a man approached Jesus, knelt before him and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and is suffering greatly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. And I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. So what does Jesus say to his disciples to say, hey, here's how you need to fix this in the future? No, no. He says, you unbelieving and perverse generation. How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? You know, bring the boy here to me. Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of the boy and he was healed at the moment. Can you imagine what it felt like to be the disciples there? 
Oh, man, I messed up. Jesus is mad. I should have been able to do this, and I dropped the ball. And Jesus is like, geez, how long do I have to put up with you guys? Right? Jesus got frustrated. Um, He explained to them, because you have so little faith, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And, and Jesus is like, you guys should have gotten this one by now. This is a gimme, right? But this is the one that inspired this lesson, and that is Jesus hated the silent treatment, okay? There was another time when Jesus was in the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there, and some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Well, let's stop right there. Maybe your job, you have a boss who makes you fill out insane amounts of paperwork and you are getting micromanaged. Maybe you're, you ever have kids? Your kids watch everything you do. It just seems you live under a microscope. Well, check this out. Jesus lived in a environment where he had people watching him every single move and they were looking for him to make a mistake so they could say, all right, good, let's kill him now. We have a reason that we can legally kill him. That's just a little bit of pressure, in my opinion. And so here, this guy comes in on the Sabbath and Jesus says to the man with a shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. And so he asked these people that are watching him, waiting for him to stumble, waiting for him to mess up, which is lawful on the Sabbath to do, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill. So Jesus asked them a question, a really good question to say, hey, you know what, let's put up or shut up here right now, right? But what did they do? Because they knew that they really couldn't answer that question because it was going to point out that Jesus was in the right. So what did they do? That's right. They gave Jesus the silent treatment. They remained silent, the scripture says. And he looked around at them. You ready for this? He looked around at them and in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. And then the Pharisees went out to begin and began to plot how they might kill Jesus. So if you think about how the paparazzi swarm whoever, the Kardashians, Britney Spears, insert famous person here, this was nothing like the scrutiny that Jesus was under and the pressure he was under. Can you imagine doing that and knowing I just gave somebody the reason they're looking for so they can kill me. That is some pretty intense pressure. And Jesus hated the silent treatment. Jesus was not crazy about his duties. Sometimes we do things that we're just like, oh man, I got to do that again. In fact, in Luke twenty-two forty-two, he says, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. 
So it's not a case that Jesus just served and was like, all right, let's go. Go ahead. Beat me. Flog me. Whatever you got to do, I'm good. Now, he wasn't real crazy about the idea. He did it, but he wasn't crazy about the idea. And he didn't take the easy way out. In Matthew 26, 53, he says, Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But he didn't. He did the right thing, even though it was hard. I've said Christianity is not easy. It's simple, but it's not easy by any means. In fact, Jesus really, there are times when I was growing up, if my dad had a nickel for every time I said, it's not fair, he would be a very rich man. But Jesus was innocent. He really was. He didn't do anything wrong. And the Pharisees should have known that what he was saying was true, but they didn't because they were worried about, A, losing their power, and B, when Jesus said that, uh, you know, Gentiles could be saved. They're like, oh, hold on. Now, now you're ruining this. And that was really what made them mad. And But really, in the end, Jesus was innocent. And according to Matthew and Mark, he was taken by soldiers into the common hall um, where he was basically just beaten. Then they stripped him and mocked him and put him in a purple robe and a crown of thorns. So let's like take, they stripped him. Can you imagine somebody just taking the clothes off of you? Right, just here we go. Give me your clothes. And then mocking him. Who knows what that means when you're naked? And um, the prophet Isaiah basically says his vision, this is in Isaiah 52, 14, that basically he was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. In other words, Jesus was beaten about the head and body until he was pretty much unrecognizable. And take your pick. I mean, if you want to watch The Passion of the Christ, um, it really is just basically two hours of you watching Jesus get the snot beat out of him. And if you don't want to watch that movie, watch Goodfellas. And at the end where Joe Pesci just gets the snot beat out of him, um, take that and times it by about 10. But Jesus understood he understands injustice. You know, even uh, when he was dying on the cross, he was mocked to his face. You know, people came up and said he saved others, but he can't save himself. That's in Matthew twenty-seven. So you're having a bad day, and you're not sure how you're going to get through it, and you'd like to talk to someone about it. And you can talk to Jesus about anything. And he even, when he left, he said, here's, look, I realize things are going to get tough. And he said, "Um, I'm leaving. He goes, I'm sending the Holy Spirit, right? This is in uh, John 14, 26. He says, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So he's basically saying, look, uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of a Wikipedia of me. 
And when you need some help on what would Jesus do, just ask the Holy Spirit. He's got it all down, and he'll let you know. He even says um, he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Uh, I forget which scripture it says that Jesus actually says, this guy is better than I am. And he also says here in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Think about that. Like, all right, I'm on my, he's basically on the way out the door. He goes, I'm going to leave you peace. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. And he goes on to say that those who, you know, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with me, be with you forever. You know, because I live, you will live also. And he's basically saying, look, it's, you know, it's going to be okay. And the world wants us to get lost in the drama that happens in our daily lives. And a lot of that drama, if you step back, is all about fear and giving you fear and fear of the future. And for the, we know how this movie ends. We shouldn't be afraid. There's a lot in the Bible where Jesus says, look, just chill. Chill out, right? There's another example of him when he's kind of frustrated. The disciples wake him in the boat. He's like, oh, man, where's your faith? Come on. And what's he do? He basically looks at the the waves and goes, shh, right? So when no one understands, Jesus does. And talk to him about it. Because he left us peace and a counselor to get through anything. Our website is feedingmyfaith.com. I realize I've been gone a while. And uh, I thank everyone for staying subscribed. And you can uh, email me if you go out and... uh, you can call in your comments, 888-563-3228. You can email me, Dave, at feedingmyfaith.com. And uh, if you'd like to support this show, just go out to supportthisshow.com. And there's links to Amazon and other things like that, and that will help pay for that. Also, I'm going to be getting into a book. It's called First Hand. Ditching Secondhand Religion for a Faith of Your Own. It's written by, there's this guy named Kerry Shook. He's like this real famous preacher dude in uh, Texas. And it's written by his sons. And it's all about, if you think about it, and we, we talked about today, you know, Jesus healing people. And we just kind of read that. We gloss over it. When a guy, yeah, and he healed somebody and the guy's hand got better and whatever. Think about if you saw that first hand. There's actually some uh, training materials that these people put out. But the book, you can get the audio book read by the actual authors, an unabridged version. And again, it's called First Hand Ditching Second Hand Religion for a Faith of Your Own. You can get this at Audible. 
And if you go to audibletrial.com forward slash Dave, that's audibletrial.com forward slash Dave, you can actually get this book for free. Now, when you do that, you basically sign up for a trial of Audible, and then you can cancel anytime within the first 30 days, and you get to keep the book for free. And uh, I did this a while back, and I've kept my subscription, and I still listen to books. And the great thing about it is you can listen to Audible books on anything, an iPad, an iPod, an Android, your computer, whatever. You can listen to it. And uh, the great thing is if you listen to it on your computer and then listen to it on your phone, your phone picks up where you left off on the computer. So that's something I'll be uh, listening to. In fact, I I have it here on uh, my uh, screen. So let me play you a quick snippet. And here we go. Chapter 1. Why Firsthand Matters, a faith straight from the source. There comes a time when you can no longer cling to your parents' coattails and you have to choose to make it your faith. Robert Griffin III I admit I once lived by rumors of you. Now I have it all firsthand. Job chapter 42, verse 5, the Message Bible. Hi, I'm Ryan Shook. And I'm Josh Shook. Two brothers in our 20s. We've met before, actually. You see, even though you've probably never met us personally, you know people just like us. You've known them at every church you've attended. We've been on your football team, gone to the same parties, been in your group of friends. You took one look at us and thought, they're such good Christians. But you saw us when we were at our best. We were the leaders of the youth group, and you thought we probably had it all together. So how could we possibly relate to you? The truth is, we've both come back from the brink of spiritual death. Really. Only a short time ago, we were so done with the whole Christian thing. Whatever we looked like on the outside, inside, we were desperate for something more. Nothing at church satisfied the inner hunger gnawing at us. Being a Christian seemed to be only about going through the motions, following rules, keeping up appearances. So we tried something else. We lived as if God didn't exist. That worked for a while, and then it eventually stopped working. Actually, we ended up feeling even more desperate and unfulfilled than before. Maybe you know what we're talking about. Maybe you've given up on church and its promise of contentment. Maybe you've not only given up on church but given up on God as well. Or maybe you're just now starting to suspect that something is wrong, but you can't put your finger on it. If any of these scenarios apply to you, you're not alone. The truth is, between the ages of 16 and 26, most young people experience a crisis of faith. Suddenly, the beliefs that made sense yesterday are no longer relevant today. Our faith feels flimsy and fake. For us, it felt something like this. We had traveled halfway across a bridge and couldn't get any further. The bridge just ended. On the riverbank behind us, we could see the Christianity that worked when we were younger. Ahead of us, on the opposite bank, we could see, well, not much really. Mostly fog. That didn't feel good. As it turns out, our experience is common for kids who grew up in church. 
David Kinneman, president of the Barna Group, a research and resource organization, investigated our generation's dissatisfaction with traditional Christianity for his book, You Lost Me. The problem, Kinneman tells us, is not that this generation has been less church than children and teens before them. The problem is that much spiritual energy fades away during a crucial decade of life, the 20s. Spiritual energy fades away. That description resonates deeply with us. After years of going to church, following the rules, and trying to replicate the faith of our parents, we had to admit that something was fading fast in our souls. But there's good news. Right in the middle of our personal crises, we made a discovery that changed everything. And there you go. Interesting book. So again, if you want to check that out, go over to audibletrial.com forward slash Dave and uh, pick it up for free. That is going to do it for this episode of Feeding My Faith. You can find this episode and uh, all the other past episodes, which again will be coming out more frequently here by going to our website, feedingmyfaith.com. I hope this podcast finds you well. And uh, if anything I can help you with, again, you can email me, Dave, at feedingmyfaith.com. You can leave a comment. If you like this show, you can go to feedingmyfaith.com forward slash iTunes and leave a little note there for us, a ranking for us in iTunes as well. So thank you much. We'll see you again real soon with another episode of Feeding My Faith. Say, hey.